Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I'm really excited to be here today with a very special guest, Leanne McCoy. Leanne is a prayer minister, a published author on many different platforms, too many to name, uh, a (laughs) conference leader and speaker, and the founder of the Prayer Clinic. And I just, I love our shared passion for prayer and so glad that we connected. Leanne, thank you for being here on the podcast today. Thank you, Jamie, for inviting me. It's an honor. We're actually doing a podcast swap. So we just finished with Leanne interviewing me. So you can head over to the prayer clinic podcast and just stay tuned. I'm not sure exactly in what, when we're going to release these, but stay tuned for, (laughs) for hearing her interview with me that we just recorded. So this is, that's right. We've never done this before. (laughs) I know that's very fun. I love it. Yeah. Well, we love to start off our interviews with everyone with the question, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you go to feel close Uh, to God? And it doesn't have to be a room or a closet. It could be anywhere in the world. Yeah. Well, I've always had an outside is probably the place I feel closest, but the place I go daily is one chair in one room in my house. And ever since I staked claim to this chair, it's always been like that all of my life. It hadn't always been the same chair, but there's been one chair that I go to and I make sure that at that chair, it's already fully equipped for everything I need for my quiet time to sit and talk with God. Because if I'm missing any one of I need, if I journal, I have my Bible, I have a pen. And if I don't have any one of those things, I, um, sometimes get up to go get it. And it like wrecks the whole quiet time. All bets are off. I have been there. I have a chair also, and I have a little tote bag that has my Bible, a journal, a pen for that very reason. I know, I know the struggle. Yes. (laughs) The struggle is real, but no, that chair, boy, when I can sit in that chair and I don't know something about it, you just meet God there and it sits, there's a window right behind it. And I have a dogwood tree right outside the window. And I'm in Tennessee. You probably haven't had your dogwood trees bloom yet in Alaska. We don't have them here. I don't think we have, I'm thinking back to Maryland, my Maryland days. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, um, Goodness, they know when Easter is because this dogwood literally just bloomed over the weekend for Easter. We're recording the day after Easter and it's so pretty. And so if I just crack the window, even if it's cold outside, I'll crack the window. So I see I still love outdoors best, but I can hear the birds and I hear the outside and it's just enough. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) I love it. I think there's something just really grounding about outdoors and nature. Mm -hmm. And I will go just weeks and realize I haven't made a point to be outside in nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously I go outside for different things, but especially in the winters in Alaska, you have Mm -hmm. to really be intentional about getting outside. That's something Mm -hmm. someone told me before we moved here is make sure to get outside every day get, you know, dress for it, get no matter how cold it is, just get outside Mm -hmm. every day. Cause especially when it's dark a lot, Mm. you want to be outside. You need to be connected to outdoors, but I do feel so connected to God when I'm outside seeing his creation, whatever that may be, whatever. That's good. I hadn't even thought about that, but it is dark so much of the time. So when y'all go out, you just, but that's good. Do you get outside pretty much every day? 
I try. It doesn't yeah. always happen, but at least to go yeah. pick the kids up from school, you know, get out of right. the car, take them in, go, you know, bring them back, yes. but take out. the dog for a walk, things like yeah. that. Like it, it definitely good. is good. So, yeah. 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 I love being out. Nature is the best. Well, I want to talk about the prayer clinic and I love oh, this good. and what it, what inspired you to start the prayer clinic? How did you get yeah. to this place? Well, thank you for asking that question, because my my niche in this praying world is that I'm very passionate about mobilizing the church to pray. Oh, oh, I love that. It's so needed. And when I saw that and I realized that it's that that is what you do, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I have seen anybody else in this topic area doing that. That's great. I'm so excited about it. Well, and the way we do it is kind of unique, but what happened, my husband is the senior pastor at our church and many, I guess, as long as we've had prayer ministry, I've kind of led it because I've had a a real passion for prayer all of my life from way back. But um, what became very noticeable, especially, I mean, not just in our church, but in most churches that I would go lead prayer conferences, is that the biggest burden was God will put somebody with the passion for prayer in every congregation. But what would happen, it would be like one or two people or just a tiny little group of people. And their struggle was getting other people engaged with it to get to mobilize everybody, you know, and if you're passionate about prayer, you sometimes have to be really careful not to be made because you're like, don't you get it? Like we have to pray. And when we're praying, God will work. And, and so you can get really too passionate sometimes, but the struggle is how do you engage everybody? So at um, many, several years back, Tom, my husband came to me and to my, and my prayer partner, Karen, and asked us to come up with a way where we could really get more people involved in praying. And when Karen and I got together and prayed about it, she shared how these two men at a church she had gone to previously were just powerful prayer warriors and that people would literally make appointments to come and pray with them. And as, and she was just talking about how that was a thing that was kind of something that happened. And we started thinking about how, what if we could find 10 or 12 people that really had a a passion for prayer? And if they would um, be willing to gather together in a place at a time, and we could just say the prayer clinic is open and you can come now for prayer. And at that same time was when minute clinics were starting to open up at local drug stores and grocery stores. And so we kind of spun off of that. We're like, it could be like the minute clinics and people are coming to have their needs met spiritually rather than physically. And we got real excited about it. And then um, out of that, the church had just bought a little house that was just next to the church property and we kind of just staked claim to that house and we opened the prayer clinic. We literally had a sign um, that sat out front of the house that just said the prayer clinic is open and we opened it on Sunday afternoons and our church members and people in the community would come and pray with our team, but we had a whole team of people and that then evolved into um, what got rebirthed. And to be quite honest, that ministry um, did not continue on year after year after year after year because of a leadership 
we needed a leadership pipeline. We needed to put into it an intentional process for onboarding people, training them, making sure everybody was committed to exactly what we were doing with the clinic. So when we rebirthed the clinic and um, at, at our church, in between the time that clinic kind of fizzled a little and rebirthing, I uh, had cancer, not once, but twice. And in the second bout with the same, it was colon cancer. And um, they thought that it was stage one and I had uh, surgery and there wouldn't be no need for chemotherapy. And they were like, you're good to go. But in two years later, the cancer recurred in my liver. And so this time I had, she, my oncologist didn't say it at the time, but since then we've celebrated the miracle of it. But then I had what was called stage four colon cancer. And so I had surgery, I had chemotherapy, I had, um, and my, num- my, if you, and people who are listening to us that have had cancer know that statistics are a big thing in that world. They'll tell you, you know, you have this percentage, this percentage, all the percentages. My percentages were not good that I would survive that colon cancer. And, um, so when you have a disease or a, or a diagnosis that tells you you may die, you very quickly um, get untethered from things that don't matter. Oh, yeah. And in that place, um, I, I, and I didn't, I don't remember really saying, Lord, I, I want to live. I want to live. I mean, of course I wanted to live, but um, somehow in the process of fighting cancer, I knew if I did live what I was here for. And it was that it was that I had done a lot of other things. I I've written a lot of books. I've done a lot of speaking, but what the Lord really penetrated my heart is I'm, I'm going to keep you here it was for family, but then also for mobilizing the church to pray. I just knew that was what it was. So when I came back on the other side of that um, cancer journey, I came back to the church and this time we had already accumulated. One of the neat things about the prayer clinic is that we have a lot of resources. We make it very, very easy for the team to serve for the people who are praying. We've created scripture prayer cards and um, a a whole course on teaching your heart to pray so that those people can be equipped and ready. And, um, but what I knew I wanted to do was create a leadership pipeline so that the clinic could easily happen in any church anywhere and wherever it happened, there would be built into it a great way of onboarding and training your people. So the, so that the clinic could continue on in a strong way. And so, you know, what the clinic is, is just like a minute clinic. It's a place and a time when a team of people will meet and pray for people about whatever specific need they have at the time. And then, And because of technology, we have an online hub where we can track with every single person we're praying with. And that way we can pray and stay with them until their prayer is answered. Mm -hmm. And so our prayer clinic team at our church, and we have a rather large church, but we right now are praying with over 300 people, over 400 requests, and we're tracking with all of them. And we know when God answers and what's going on and you can do it with this team it's all a part of how the prayer clinic is organized yeah well so and I saw recently on your website that the I mean the idea of this is that you have this infrastructure in place that 
any church can use. And you actually have like an open house where you're going to have people come in and see how it works and potentially take this out to their own churches. How do people do that? If they're interested, if there's some pastors or leaders in the church Mm -hmm. that want to bring this Mm -hmm. up. And we encourage people about once a quarter, we'll open up our clinic on Sunday morning for you to come. And in fact, the very next Sunday is this coming Sunday in April, but we'll have another one in about three months at our church in Tennessee. But we've also created a virtual open house, which pretty much does the same thing, but it's all online. And that's for people like in Alaska or California or Maryland or wherever they are (laughs) can also get the benefit of the open house. I mean, we love it. And if you can take the drive and get here, it's so good to be here with us. But what we do on that day, it's just our Sunday morning. Our clinic is open while our church is in uh, happening. And so we serve breakfast. And then the people who come to visit with us will be with our team as they're serving on Sunday morning and just pray with them and be in the room with them and watch how we operate. Then they'll participate in our worship service with us. And then we'll have lunch for them so that we can unpack the whole concept, how it works, what's involved in it, and give them a chance to ask questions and have those questions answered. And so on the virtual clinic, all you don't get in the virtual clinic is the worship service. We didn't include that part in the virtual. So, it well, and I guess you don't get breakfast. breakfast. I was going to say, you don't get breakfast and lunch either. (laughs) You got to provide that yourself. Yeah, you're going to have to bring your own snacks. But but we do let you meet our team team and and see where we do our clinic and um and we give a lot of testimonials and you know that kind of thing in the virtual clinic yeah well just take us briefly through what it looks like to do do you do this every single week every sunday yes Mm -hmm. so what does it look like what does it look like when you have someone come in do they pray with one person do you do like a triage to see who they pray with or Mm -hmm. what does a day in the life of the prayer clinic look like okay good um um, what you do our clinic team will staff both we have two services on sunday morning and many of them serve in other places too so we have a team of about 30 people And out of that, we'll have four to six people serving in the prayer room during one of our our, both of our services. Mm -hmm. And it's usually a different team the first hour than it is the second hour. So then it might be one service and serve in the prayer clinic and the other. And it may even be a different team on the second week than it was on the first week. So out of our 30 people, we all get it covered. That's how it works for us. And other churches are doing it in different ways, but that's how it works at our church. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so your four or five people are in the prayer room. And if anybody comes, we're there to pray with them. If no one comes, we are praying. We're praying over the services. We're praying for each other. We're praying for the needs of the church where there's plenty to pray about. So we're active, even if no one comes to the clinic. And that way we're a little bit different, I guess, than the minute clinic. We don't just sit around waiting on somebody to come. But most of, most Sundays, somebody will come and they'll come into the prayer room. And one person has the job of making sure our eyes on the door all the time, because we already people have to overcome a little bit of fear just to come to us. I mean, oh, yeah. how scary is that? 
that. You don't know how mm-hmm. to pray. You don't know anything. You just know you need prayer. And they both are a little bit scared and very desperate. Most people come and are very desperate. Mm-hmm. And so we have somebody jumps up, goes to the door, meets them, talks to them, ask them what their prayer is about. We have a little form they fill out so that because that if we're going to pray and stay with them, we've got to have their contact information. And because we'll ask them what we're praying about, it is kind of like triage. We'll we'll know who to pick from that group of four or five people and we'll invite two of them to go pray with this person or this couple or this family. And so we always serve in a, in a two or a threesome and not one, not just one person because the way we do it is yes. One person will really be engaging. The other one will be listening and together we're looking up scripture. We're listening to the Holy spirit. We're praying with them. We're taking notes. You know, it just, we work together in that way. And so um, we'll take, we actually have the, um, luxury at our church of having two rooms that we get to use, but we'll take our person that we're praying with over to the other room so that we can be private with them. And we'll just sit down with them and let them tell us a little more about what they've written on their paper. And then um, we'll just enter into a time of prayer for them. And we have prayer cards that give us, um, like if it's a health issue or it's your marriage or it's your children, or we've got categories of cards, we can pull those out and we may just simply pray these prayers on these scripture prayer cards that we have. But always what happens is when you're praying, God will bring another verse to mind. We're praying scripture. That's our big thing. Mm -hmm. We're praying God's word into your situation. And so we'll, pray that. And we have these little prescription pads. I don't have one right here. I was going to show it to you, but people on podcasts can't see it anyway, but they're like the old timey prescription pads that oh, the doctors I love use. that. Yeah. Oh, what a good idea. <laughs> and we put the verse that whatever God brings to our mind, we'll write that on the, on the little prescription pad. Oh, and then it. we, they leave with a little folder that has their scripture prayer card, their little prescription. And then a God's got this prayer bracelet because we want them to know God's got this. Like we know God's got this. And now, you know, God's got this. Now you go home and you pray, you pray these prayers and you know that we're praying and you just come back as often as you want to. We're going to stay in touch with you. We're going to talk to you. And um, then it enters into being like a prayer discipleship relationship because now, I mean, you and I both know God doesn't always answer exactly the way we're praying. He does doesn't answer in the amount of time we think we want to, I mean, all the things. And so those give us opportunities because we're staying with them to help walk with them through that and talk with them through that and, and do that. So it's, um, yeah, that's what happens. So when they leave, they've been prayed with, they've been equipped and they're going out knowing God's got this and this is going to be, it's going to be okay. We're, we're going to make it. Yeah. I love that. I love every bit of it. Do you have a lot of repeat (laughs) customers. <laughs> oh yes. We have some, we have one couple that um, one or two years of their lives. I mean, all kinds of things uh, went crazy in their life. It all started with, and, and we watched them grow in their faith during the, the total, I'm telling you the, the discipleship component. And that wasn't even what we said, do we're just sitting out to pray and stay with them until God mm-hmm. answers their prayer. But mm-hmm. the discipleship happens. They became so familiar with us. I mean, it started with her father had been diagnosed with cancer. Then he died because of a, a procedure that went wrong. Then her mother got diagnosed with cancer. Then her husband, um, 
his uncle was murdered, like these major things were going on in their life. So they literally just got to the point. They had a lot of little children. They would go drop their little people off and just come into our prayer room and just sit down. And we would just start praying with them. And some of the times we would just read Psalms the whole time. Like we would all just read Psalms together. And um, yeah, so they would come back and come back and come back. And then other people come and then they bring their friends, you know, like the next time. And then what's really fun is when people have an answer to prayer that happens kind of quickly, you know, they'll come like we had about a month ago, a young woman came to the prayer room and she had already really been praying about her health this year. They were noticeable. It's a, it's in her brain, I think a tumor or something, and it's causing seizures and stuttering. And as she's talking, we're listening and it's happening. And, um, we prayed with her and, uh, Two weeks later, she came back into the prayer room, was able to talk without stuttering at all. Look, I mean, totally looked different, looked healthier and just said, ever since we came and prayed, it has all been gone. These like, I believe my miracle has come and she's going to have a test next week because it was like a month away and it's next week is when the medical test is coming. So we're just praying that the medical test confirms the miracle that we're already seeing happen with her. Wow. Oh, (laughs) that's amazing. That is just, oh, that's amazing. What a, what a wonderful ministry. Well, if if somebody's interested in finding out more, where would they go to figure this out? I don't want to wait till the end to give the the link. Oh, okay. Well, they can just go to prayerclinic.com. That's the website address. And if they'll come there and then, um, they can contact me that way. They can, uh, sign up for a virtual open house where you can totally unpack the whole thing. They can poke around on that website and learn a little bit about the prayer clinic as well. And then our store, all of those resources I'm talking about are on the store that's on that website as well. Mm -hmm. Great. Oh, that's wonderful, Leanne. I didn't even know when we first, when I first started listening to your podcast, which is also Uh called prayer clinic podcast podcast. Uh I didn't realize about this whole other part of your ministry. Mm -hmm. And I just, Mm -hmm. I love it. It's so, so needed. So thank you for doing that and answering God's call. And, you know, we were talking in your interview with me, or maybe my interview with you on your podcast, (laughs) about God redeeming terrible things. And to think Mm -hmm. that that cancer diagnosis was the turning point and kind of the birthing point of of this ministry is Mm -hmm. just something that I think is just something that could give people a lot of hope of seeing God using this terrible thing to Mm -hmm. birth something so amazing. So, yeah. And he does that. Isn't that what, that is what we talked about. He does that. He Mm -hmm. takes the, the, anytime we're in the hard, it God's up to something good. Mm -hmm. It's just, if we'll hold on and trust him enough, you know, I think sometimes I just want to be like the racehorses. They put the blinders on them so that they'll just keep moving forward. And I just want the Lord to put blinders on me and let me just look in his eyes and remember you know, how much he loves me and that I can trust him no matter what the terrible thing is. And then watch for whatever good he's birthing out of that. Yeah. And as I mean, and that's sometimes all you can do. It reminds me of the, the, the verse in Hebrews about, and let us, you know, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Let Mm -hmm. us throw off the sin that entangles and let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And just, you know, zero in on that and throw off everything else and, and just run in that direction. 
but yes. doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean no, that that's it's right. easy at all. That's right. So yeah. yeah. We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process. But I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor, and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, you, so when we talked earlier about just kind of the things that you're passionate about, one of the things that you said that you love to talk about is just breakthrough in prayer. And I know you've touched on one of the keys that you believe strongly in, which is praying scripture. I love that you make it so easy for the people in the prayer clinic to be able to Mm -hmm. just have these scriptures ready. I mean, what Mm -hmm. a weapon it's like having, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just having that sword at your side, ready to wield it. And you know, that is huge. So can you just talk about that? Talk about what it means and, and how you pursue and, and have seen breakthrough. Okay. Yeah. I think that, um, praying through to the breakthrough is such a, such a powerful experience to have to go through. It's not something we necessarily sign up for. I don't, you know, it's a lot more fun to just get on our knees and pray. And like that story I was just sharing with you about the, the girl we pray with comes back two weeks later and she's no healed. Like I, that's my favorite kind of praying, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but when we are in difficult things and we're praying, we're really, um, you know, and most of the time when you're praying for a breakthrough is something that's non-negotiable in your heart. It's because your heart is so heavy for it. And you know, you know what God wants. And many times um, my, the, the way the Lord works in my life is the starting point will be where he'll tell me what he's going to do in the end. It's that promise that he drops into my spirit to say, Yes, I'm right here. I'm aware. I know what's going on. And this is how it's going to turn out. And it'll be some amazing promise from from the word. And and sometimes people say, well, how do you get that promise? Well, I don't just um, open the Bible and plop my finger down and and find it that way. I usually for me, it happens. And sometimes I can go looking for it, like by using the 
what's it called? The concordance at the end of the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the back, but most of the time, the promises come to me in the, the habit of that quiet time when I'm habitually in the word on a daily basis, then wherever I'm reading, the promise will just be lifted off the page almost and just be like, this is it. This is what, even though most of the, I mean, the context of what that scripture is written in was in that cultural day at that time and use it, but that's how the word comes alive. And then speaks to us in our lives today. And so I can take that one. So you've got your promise and then comes the hard part. The hard part is the pressing through. And I feel like Jesus taught us twice. And and, and you think about it, he only, he only taught for three years. And so you got, we've had lots of years to be able to teach and talk about prayer, whatever else we want to talk about. And he spoke on prayer several times, but two of the times he spoke about praying and not giving up. And so it was the parable of the reluctant neighbor. Remember when the guy goes looking for bread in the middle of the night, that parable in Luke chapter 11. And then again, in Luke, uh, he recorded the parable of the persistent widow, the widow that went after the unrighteous judge who was resisting her, but, but she was being treated unfairly. And she kept going after him, going after him until finally he gave her what he wanted. And in both of those story, uh, both of those parables, Jesus made this point. One was pray and don't give up. The Mm -hmm. other was God is nothing like the reluctant neighbor, nor is he like the judge. But I think the reason he said that, used that as a scenario, he knew that was the angle the devil was going to take and try to make God seem like that. And so we would, I really do. And so when he invited us to, what he's saying to us is, come on, keep praying. Because he even said in one of those, he goes, but when the, when I come back, will I find you praying on earth? I'm like, I want to be the one. Yeah. You're going to find me. And I'm going to knock and I'm going to ask and keep on asking. And, And most of the times when I'm doing it, it's like, if it's my kid, then you gave him to the wrong mama. If you wanted me to give up, cause I am not giving up, you know, like it's that mama bear thing. I've got my kid. I'm going to see him through. And, um, so anyway, those were, so I think that, that Jesus himself has invited us to continue praying no matter what. And I just knowing that's what he wants me to do and that it's going to be hard makes it easier. But then in the situations where I have grown weary, um, I've come up with a couple of questions that I consider. And, and one is, am I praying according to God's will? Because sometimes I realized um, in situations we're praying according to what we, the picture we painted in our mind of what it needed to be. Oh, yeah. Instead it's, of, yeah, it's, yeah. it's nobody has a hundred percent track record from right. hearing from God, which is why it's so important to have those, you know, those moments of check-in like, okay, did yeah. I, you know, did I hear this right? Or is this thing that I'm praying, is it? something that's in line with God wants, or am I, yeah. am I fabricating this or am I right. embellishing it or adding on to it? Yeah. yeah. Or if I just decided this is what God wants me to have, but God really did not right. you know, say that necessarily was it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So am I praying according to God's will? Um, am I abiding in Christ and is Christ abiding in me? And I think a real um, key to answering that is, are you, do you feel like you're playing tug of war with God? Like, cause it can get like that 
in the process of trying to pray through, you feel like you're tugging a war. And if Christ, if we're abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in us, then it's not going to feel like tug of war. It's going to feel more like a very hard climb, I think, with him right there beside you. It's going to feel more like we're we're in this together. I know you've got this and I'm trusting you in it. And this is just hard. And it's more of a just leaning into him rather than arguing with them. I don't know if that makes sense. Because no, it, it does. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think, again, that takes time and space and reflection and just time to sit with God with your mm-hmm. questions and with your, your self-reflection time. Mm-hmm. And we don't always make time for that. And, you know, you make such mm-hmm. good points about when you hear from God, it's not a result of flop open the Bible once in a while and take a verse out of context. It's right. regular time with God, hearing God's word in the form of sermons or scripture or whatever exhortation or, you know, being in prayer mm-hmm. groups, whatever it is, it's, mm-hmm. it's a result of that having a big picture. And, and so it's not, it, it's a marathon really in the long-term yeah. sense. And then again, just like, you know, that self-reflection, I think we're tempted today in our busy society, in our instant gratification, click and get yeah, yeah. to not make time and space to sit with God with some of those things. And so, yeah, that's such a good reminder. That is. And it's, you know, God is always very, he doesn't waste anything. So he doesn't Mm -hmm. even waste the time it takes for the answer to, to come because if we're willing and we're, and we're seeking to abide, we're leaning into him. There's all kinds of things he's pouring into us that we don't, a lot of times we don't even know it's happening until we recover. Like even when I had cancer and was the second go around having to go through chemo, I was just, I was sick. I did not, I did not feel good. It was um, very humbling because I'm a busy, active person. I was not busy. I was not active. A lot of times I couldn't even read or, or think. And mm-hmm. um I felt like it might be time wasted. Uh, my husband would say to me in the morning, he would say, Lynn, your only job to do is breathe. And you've done a good job because I'm such a, I got to get something done, but I couldn't, I was totally waylaid. And, but when it was over and my health returned to me and that in itself took several months to recover after the chemo treatments were over, I realized God had been doing a lot in me that I didn't even know. There was a lot of um, way more rest in my life now than I had before. Um, Deeper understanding and perspective on things that I didn't have before. There's very few things that will shake me up anymore. And because of some of the hard places that I've been. Um, little things that used to hurt my feelings as a pastor's wife, or I would think, oh no, it's coming and done. My husband and I are like, pish posh, no big deal. God's got this. This is not (laughs) life or death. Right. And so, you know, all of that was going on during that time and you don't even know it. So it's just when we're persevering, when we're praying through to a breakthrough, realize that God's up to a lot. And just because you doesn't, you don't, you're not aware of it doesn't mean it's not happening. And yeah. yeah. Well, I love what a good man, first of all 
to wake yeah. you up and say, your only job today is to breathe and you're doing yeah. a good job. Cause yeah, that is huge to, to hear, to get permission from someone, especially if you're a person yeah. that's a doer, like you sound like you are. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that's gotta be such an encouragement though, for the woman who has just all prayed out, who has sown mm. and sown in tears and prayers and poured mm. her heart out. And she's waiting for that breakthrough that it's okay if you're at a place where all you can do is breathe and sit right. and just be in God's presence. He's still working. It's okay. Right. Like those tears are prayers that, that silence and that time God that's is working so and, oh, wow. That's an encouragement to me. That's good. That's very good. And then the last, let's say, so am I praying according to his will? Am I abiding him? Is he abiding me? And then this one is, am I putting, um, uh, how to put it limits or restraints on God. And, and that more comes from if we're praying for something specific mm-hmm. and I, I do love that we'll pray specifically. In fact, we really teach that in the prayer clinic. Tell us what you want God to do for you. Don't mm-hmm. just tell us the problem. Tell us what we're praying for. Cause we don't mm-hmm. just need to say, Lord, they've really got a big problem. Like we want to know what you're looking for. And in the, and so it's okay. We can be specific, but even when we're specific, we have to hold that with very open hands to let God do like, um, uh, you know, you could put a time limit. Like I know that God's going to want, um, if you have a wayward child, I did have my, when my daughter was away from us, I just knew she's going to come home at Thanksgiving. Like that was my specific. And when that did not happen, then it really wrecked my faith for a little mm-hmm. bit because I had prayed so specifically, but God was teaching me when we do that, we're putting limits and restraints on him. He's, he's doing something a lot bigger that may take a whole lot more time, or it may even be larger than what you have in mind. And so we have to be careful not to, not to squeeze it so tight and say, it's got to be this. I want it. This, this is the way it is. When God's like, you know, I do um, abundantly, exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. I'm doing the Ephesians 3.20 thing and you're just asking for one thing. And I've got a lot of things in mind. (laughs) That's so good because it is, it's such a balancing act between praying boldly with strong faith and conviction Mm -hmm. and specificity. I mean, some of the Mm -hmm. most like the, the largest Ebenezer stones of my prayer life have been really, really specific prayers that God has answered Mm -hmm. in ways that I'm like, there's no way that he could have, that that just could have happened, you know, right? that in that specific way. But then you've got the other side of the coin of, but Mm -hmm. not my will, but yours. And so leaving that room, but when we can do that and we can hold on to both of those things, I mean, there's no limit to what God can do. And yeah, yeah, Yeah. Hmm. that's good. Well, well, one thing that, that I have heard you say multiple times in Mm -hmm. your podcast is was just really groundbreaking for me. And I, it, it's kind of basic in some ways, but it's just, you were talking about spiritual warfare Uh and how really like the root of spiritual warfare is removing this veil of deception that the enemy throws over everything. 
And when mm-hmm. I thought about it, you know, cause sometimes I'll think of spiritual warfare as, yeah, we need to, you know, this, this situation that's happening in my life is the devil attacking me. I need to fight back with scripture and sure. Mm-hmm. There definitely are, are things like that, but you just kind of brought it right back to the, the crux of it. All prayer is spiritual warfare and whether it's mm-hmm. praising God and unleashing that power into mm-hmm. the universe and into the world and bringing God's kingdom here on earth and glorifying him, whether it's supplication and, and prayers of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, but mm-hmm. all of it, like the, the root of that warfare is bringing truth to light, bringing the, the darkest corners and crevices yeah. of, of the lies of the enemy exposed, bringing sin yes. out. I mean, ah, oh, that was yes. amazing. Can you talk to us about that? Cause that was, that was great. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about a little bit about that just this morning about how, um, the enemy is defeated already and he's vastly outnumbered. Mm-hmm. And so, because when he rose up his rebellion in heaven, he was cast out and everybody that was following him was cast out with him. But even at, with his third of the heavenly host, ever how many there are of the heavenly host, he only has a third, which means he's outnumbered two to one. I mean, uh, or how do you do that? Yeah. Cause there's two to his one. I've so, never thought of that. That is, oh yeah, my gosh. I have never, two, never done thirds. the math. <laughs> okay. Well I've done the math and there's, so there's two to his one. So he's at a disadvantage. And so the only way that he can, um, advance or, or continue his domain is by keeping people in the dark, keeping people under the um, under the lies, under the shadows, and and just block out God. Now he's good at it. There's that's for sure, and he's had a lot of practice over a lot of years. And and he not only has his deception, but he can work with, but he can appeal to our flesh because we by nature are children of wrath, meaning that we we by nature lean toward toward being more um, naturally of the dark than we are of the light. But when Jesus comes into our lives and as we're abiding in him and he's abiding in us and we're yielding to him, then we're, we're light. And the great thing about this whole light and dark scenario is light shines in the darkness and it lights up what is dark. And so just our very, um, intimacy, our, our relationship with God, if it's intimate and it's real and we're, we don't make it intimate and real, we contribute to it by showing up. We show up for our quiet time. We show up by opening the Bible Isn't God good that he gave us something tangible. We can hold on to, we can read, we can take, and he knew we would need that. So we show up in that way. And then the Holy spirit draws the intimacy, creates the intimacy, works. He works even in the hard stuff in our lives to make that richer. And so the richer it is, the brighter we show. So literally, we not only confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, as we have opportunity to do that, but our life itself 
illuminates the darkness. And I think this is going to get even more and more important as the end times are coming. And and we've watched in just my um, adult years, I've been um, adult for more years than I want to say, but like 30 years as an adult, you know, I've seen the world totally change and, and everything, it seems to be escalating toward revelation. And, um, I think a part of that means that believers have to be very, like, we got to be real. We can't just memorize a, a script to share Jesus with people. We have to be living, walking, embodiment of Jesus Christ by allowing our own bodies to be filled with the spirit and, and walking in the, in the light. But anyway, all that to say, I'm getting a little bit off track, but the devil uses deception because it works. Like Mm -hmm. I, even in one of my spiritual warfare books, I found the illustration of the Confederate army being vastly outnumbered by the union troops. And, you know, I live in the South, so the civil war history is kind of rich down here since so much of it was fought on this land. And um, I don't remember who who it was. It's all in the book, but the, the guy in charge of his troops was, the union troops were across the way camping out during the night and all through the night, he was actually vacating his troops out of the field. But every time the train would come in, they would hope and holler and yell and build another campfire. And they were pretending that he was bringing troops in when he was actually taking his troops out, Mm. he was deceiving the enemy. And so the enemy was ready to show up next day and there wasn't anybody left to fight because he had literally you know, vacated the, the place. And, and he did that because he knew he was outnumbered. And so he had, that was all he could do and it works. And so it's an, it's a, in the art of war deception works and that's what the devil does. So he, he, all he has is lies. And so when you're talking to Christians about warfare, we, once we realize it's all lies, then it's a matter of our, our mind choosing to receive the truth, even if everything doesn't support it. If everything seems like it's different, if we'll just stay with the truth, not only will we walk peacefully on the battlefield because we're girded up with the, with the truth, but we'll also be able to, to see what we couldn't see before. And that's the, that he was deceiving. Hmm. That is so good. And when I just, even in the short time, since I've heard you say that as I frame my prayers, I find that every single one of them can go the, the starting point for those prayers can be take the veil away, you know, Mm, let truth be exposed, let Mm -hmm. the lies be exposed for what they are. Let this person, you know, be transformed, have, have the blinders taken off. And there's so much power in that because that is God's will. And so many times it's hard to say, well, if I get my prayers so specific, how do I know if that's really God's will or if Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, making stuff up, but it's always God's will to pray that truth would be brought to light and that lies would be exposed. So what a powerful man that is. Yeah. That's a gift. Thank you for, you know, bringing that out. 
You're welcome. I want to mention, Jamie, if you don't mind, I I did an online course called Praying for the Lost. And it's really not me teaching. It's my friend, Jennifer Kennedy Dean, and she's already gone. Do you know Jennifer? God bless her. I love her. And I'm so heartbroken that Jennifer. Oh, yeah. I miss her so much. I was actually with her the week she died. We were at the Southern Baptist Convention together Mm. and we had just gotten home. And anyway, back in 2019 and I, but she's written more books on prayer than I'll ever write. And she taught this course. I have it on my website. It's called Mm. praying for the lost. And it's about this very subject it's um, removing. And that's what it's talking about. Praying is we're just praying that those who are blind will be given sight. Those that will are deaf will be given the gift of hearing and that the enemy will have to step down because of our prayers. He's got to step down and, Mm. And that wall that's been built around our loved ones that are caught in the lie, our prayers can take those bricks away one by one. She also teaches a really neat thing about being girded up in the armor that we read about in Ephesians chapter six. You know, it talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, all the different pieces. And then it says, and then stand. And um, many of us interpret that as stand against the enemy, no matter what, don't let him push you down that you're advancing even if you just stand your ground and that's good teaching but she took it a step further she said the way that that is interpreted to the original audience and they knew this because of the way the word was written that stand was a victory stance with your heel on the neck of the enemy in total and complete Mm. victory and so (laughs) when we gird ourselves with the full armor of God, which is Jesus himself, it's being girded with all that Jesus is. He is truth. He is salvation. He is righteousness. He is peace. He's all these things. We're girded in him. When we stand, we're not standing not to be knocked down. We're standing literally declaring the victory. It is done. It is done. And, and it's just a matter of time before it will be it will be seen. It'll, it, that it'll come through. So. Amen. Wow. Amen. That is Thank so you, Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. God bless yes. you. Mm. Mm. Well, we're kind of getting to the time where we probably should be wrapping up. I wanted to know okay. you've written a lot. What would you say if someone wanted to read one book of yours to start, what book would you recommend? Um, probably spiritual warfare for your family is a good spiritual warfare book. Spiritual warfare for women's a good one too. Both of those are good. I, I, um, I don't know why I shouldn't say, I just love writing on spiritual warfare. I really don't, but, (laughs) but I do love that, um, that it doesn't have to be a complicated, scary, mysterious thing, Mm -hmm. a very practical thing. So either of my spiritual warfare books would be great to read. Well, that will be my first one. I've already decided. So that is great. Well, um, I just wanted to end with one thing, two questions. What is your biggest prayer struggle? What is something that's kind of you struggle with in your prayer life? Um, the, the very thing I probably teach the most on, and that is, um, trusting him, trusting him, no matter what, no matter what is happening just mm-hmm. totally Letting go. trusting him. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Good. And what do you love the most about prayer? Oh, wow. I just love the, like when you ask the question, I just get goosebumps on me. Even <laughs> I just, 
I love the intimacy that I can have with like, think about it. The God who created us Mm -hmm. is inviting us into an intimate place and, and he's perfect. And so it like, it's really easier to have a relationship. Well, sometimes it's hard, but it's easy that with somebody who's perfect, like, cause all our other relationships get complicated and we get mm-hmm. confused with each other and all that, but God is just everything we need him to be so that it makes it as easy as it can be for us to be able to communicate with him. I've got mm-hmm. a picture right here in my office uh, across from my desk. That's Jesus just looking down at a little guy who's just looking up at him and that, and he's got his arm just wrapped around him. And that like, that's why I love to pray because that's what I feel like. Mm, I love that. Well, where can our listeners find you online and where do you like to hang out on social media? Well, I'm on um, Instagram and uh, Facebook, mostly on social media. I'm trying to get, are you on TikTok yet, you guys? Not yet. It's funny. We were just talking about that. It scares me because I don't understand (laughs) it. Because I don't understand it. But we were just (laughs) discussing how it would be a nice place to, to, you know, dip our toes in the water. It does need y'all. It needs your voice. And I'm, I'm looking into getting on TikTok. I've got a great friend, little Georgia Gust, who is like a TikTok maniac. She's doing great on TikTok, but I'm on Instagram and Facebook. You can look for both me, Leanne McCoy or um, the prayer clinic. And then my web have the, I have two to try to differentiate between the two, but prayerclinic.com and then leannemccoy.com. You can learn all about me and, and connect with me there. Okay. Just making sure I have that in my notes so that we can link. Oh, so good. I Very good. That. Well, okay. how can we, end? we're going to close in prayer. How can I pray for you today? Well, um, do pray for my daughter, if you would. And um, because I'm praying through for a breakthrough in her life. And that's mostly my that's probably my my biggest prayer Mm -hmm. right now. And then you could pray for our open house coming up this Sunday for the prayer clinic. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, Leanne, thank you for being here. This has been such a pleasure to get to connect with you. And I picture this being the beginning of a of a relationship and friendship. And I just love that we got to meet. Thank you. Me too. Thank you. All right. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Leanne. Thank you for being a redeemer. Just thinking back Mm -hmm. to the, uh, a terrible situation with cancer being a turning point that birthed this prayer clinic and thinking about answered prayers, um, for redemption in a situation with one of her children. And we just look now at this next situation that she is praying for breakthrough with her daughter. And Lord, we just pray that first prayer. Let the, let the truth be exposed. Let the lies be exposed for what they are. Remove the blinders, remove the veil, give the enemy, just bind the enemy's, um, attempts to work and to deceive and to bring down and tear down God. You are a God of truth. You're a God of light. And we pray that the light would always overcome the darkness. And more than that, we claim the truth and and the knowledge that the light always overcomes the darkness. That's scriptural. That's in the Bible. 
that the darkness has not and will not overcome the light. Thank you for that, God. And so we just lift up this precious child to you in Jesus name Mm -hmm. and pray that she would be strengthened, that she would feel your spirit and your presence around her, like a tangible blanket wrapping around her, that you would just guide her, direct her, speak to her, draw her with a gravity that she can't escape from God, because we know that you are faithful and that you are powerful and that your love is irresistible. And we just pray that God, all the specific needs that we don't know about God, but that you do, we pray that in those things that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in her life, that, that your purposes would be accomplished for her God. And for Leanne, as she waits, God, we just pray your peace and your constant comfort and, and just the hope as she looks back at the things that you have done to be able to look forward and know that in the future, there will be a time when she can look back on another thing that you have done, God. And we just lift up the prayer clinic. Thank you for this incredible ministry. We pray for the open house coming up. And whenever this airs, there will be another open house coming up. We pray in Jesus name that you would just allow this to be um, a disciple making uh <laughs> church planting (laughs) ministry planting thing among, among many, many churches, God, that this would become a movement that would, that would spark revival in our churches. We thank you so much for the gift of prayer and just for this ministry that focuses on that. And that is equipping the body of Christ, the local church with a little C to implement prayer in a way that's, that's central and, and, and pivotal God. And we just pray for Leanne's home, for her marriage, for her children, her grandchildren, her family, her ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.